I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, on this episode, we are back with part two of how to get an extra $725,000 when you sell your physical therapy practice. We are on bullet point number 11. We have 21 total. The last episode was number one through 10. This episode, number 11 through 21. As a reminder, this episode, if you didn't catch the first one, how the heck can you get an extra $725,000 legally compliantly when you sell your physical therapy practice? How? in a very simple sentence, is a physical therapy practice that can thrive without you, where you, and if you love treating patients, that's fine. And if you love the day-to-day and all the roles and responsibilities, that's fine. But the practices that truly can sell for the highest dollar amount are with owners who are out of patient care and owners who are delegating the a lot of the meetings, a lot of the growth, and they are basically out of the day-to-day. If you love the day-to-day, you love treating patients, that's totally fine. But this is for owners who are at a certain scale. Maybe they're at a certain time in their life where they're looking to either get out of their practice. They're looking to take some chips off the table. They are looking to travel more domestically, internationally, whatever it is, You know, spend more time with their children or grandchildren. Those types of owners, they are able to have, they're able to develop and manage a practice that is thriving without them. And ultimately, buyers like us and other buyers that are coming on the show or other national buyers, all of the buyers, they're interested in practices where the owner is has developed and curated a practice that is thriving on its own because if they buy it, then you're able to step out and they know exactly what they're getting. Versus if you're in the in the clinic treating three, five days a week, then it's going to be really challenging for you to get out of that. That's a whole host of things that can happen. So let's get into this next component. So part one, we went through one through 10. Part two here, here's number 11. So number 11, create a set of forward-looking key performance indicators, KPIs, key performance indicators that reliably predict the health of your practice in the future. Number 12, create and automate a dashboard of leading indicators. Now, I know this step sounds like a little more involved and complicated because we're talking about a dashboard. We're we're typically talking about a piece of software that's not necessarily your electronic medical record. Again, that would be for practices of a certain size, maybe a million dollars a year in revenue or larger. Practices smaller than that, they're obviously going to be focusing on other things and less about growth and scale and, and efficiencies and optimization. So I get that. So we're talking about, you know, practices that are around the million dollar mark or larger that are doing these types of things. So again, creating and automating a dashboard for leading indicators. 13, setting up a notification system or set up notifications for when the leading indicators are forecasting a future problem. So obviously that factors in reimbursement and staff and labor and coverage and all of the the flow of your business. So the the amount of leads, prospective patients and the leads coming in the front end that your front desk person is trained to track. And then the conversion rate of total number of leads to what's the number of 
folks that actually come in, they schedule an evaluation, but they actually arrive to the evaluation. And then the number of folks that actually complete their plan of care. So if they have back pain and the therapist evaluates them and it's judged by the therapist that they're going to need, you know, six weeks of physical therapy, two times a week, whatever it is, that that individual, that patient actually completes their plan of care. We know from WebPT and all the other research out there that there's a huge drop off in regards to completed plans of care. It's a huge factor. It's a huge metric in the outpatient physical therapy and, and rehab world where not a lot of people finish their plan of care. I, I don't have the number offhand, but it's below, I believe it's below 50%. It's under 50% of folks that actually complete their plan of care. So it's pretty wild. Point number 14, create and automate a set of lagging indicators that reliably show how your business is performing. Point number 15, put your customers, your patients, your clients on or consider putting your clients or offering your clients a recurring billing plan when possible. Now, we're not talking about the core offering of physical therapy or occupational therapy. Many PT practice owners and many PT buyers won't want to do this. They don't care about this. But monthly recurring revenue is very unique and, and very powerful. It could be very powerful to the value of, of a physical therapy practice. So what are we talking about? We're talking about things like monthly wellness and gym memberships at your physical therapy office if you have the space. Now, in New York City, many of the practices don't have the space unless they're of a larger size. So we're talking about also potentially remote or digital programming. So writing up kind of like workout plans for folks where they're paying for that. They're paying for the access to log into an app. True Coach is one app. I, I don't get anything from it by mentioning it, but I've used it with Mike Laviolette, my health coach. He's a physical therapist. So I pay him to write up my workout plans. And then I go into that app and every day I have a workout to do. And he writes what exercises, what specific stretches, what types of things I want to do based off of my goals of breaking a sweat every day, exercising, staying in shape for my weekend baseball that I play here in, in Brooklyn, New York. So that's one thing. Another thing, monthly recurring on-site, so on-site meaning in your brick-and-mortar office, on-site recovery and wellness services, so things that are a little bit newer age, like the, the TheraBody boots, the compression, air massage boots, those types of things, or other ancillary services that are like that. So it could be, it could be cupping, it could be maybe it's massages, whatever. You kind of, you can package some of those things in a way. It could be stretching, the assisted stretching, some places call it fascial stretch therapy, whatever you're calling it, passive stretching for folks that are a little stiff and achy, but they are not in pain or they're not seeking medical necessity. Like they don't have a medical necessity or a, or a diagnosis where they're looking for that physical therapy to evaluate and treat that pain. They just are, feel stiff and achy or they want to stay flexible for running or for sports. Physical therapists, I believe, are, are primed to, to do that. And so that's one of the things I mentioned, I think in part one, Stephen Rapicelli, practice owner in Delaware, he owns Performance Physical Therapy. He's got three locations, but also he is opening up many, I don't even know the number right now, but it's several, opening up a company called Stretchplex. And he's opened up several locations in the Delaware area, and it's it's strictly passive stretching. So it's something that he has seen, and he's talked to a lot of practice owners about. And he's meeting a, a need that consumers are, are looking for, that they're searching for, that they're paying out of pocket for. So that's one thing that you could get potential patients, clients that are ready to be discharged. You could say, hey, we have this monthly recurring service, monthly membership, and you could charge whatever you want. $100 a month, $50 a week. I mean, literally whatever. And you could create your own wellness program. You get their credit cards on file. 
you have them sign up, you could send them a digital way for them to securely put their cards on file and they can cancel at any time. It's just month to month, whatever it is. So keep that in mind, just an idea. Point number 16, where one-off billing is necessary, of course, creating standard operating procedures around any other billing, estimating, invoicing, collections, anything that's outside of the traditional insurance billing, you certainly want to have a standard operating procedure around that, that whole task, that whole step. That's 16. Number 17, creating a three-month cash flow forecast and assign someone the responsibility of updating it daily and notifying you if they anticipate your cash flow dipping below a threshold that you set at any point in the next three months. So that's something that you certainly could be looking at. But again, if you're having someone manage that and going through that, that certainly can put you in a a better light for buyers because they're going to see that, wow, you really have someone taking a look, keeping an eye on the, the financial pulse of the practice. Super impressive. And if buyers were to see that, they're like, wow, of course, we're going to, we're very impressed. And not only do the financials, not only will the financials most likely line up, so the financials are going to be more appealing and they're going to, you're going to get offers that are larger from buyers like us or other buyers, but also that you have a lot of these things in place. You've trained staff, you've hired staff for these items. So that was 17. 18, delegating collections and managing accounts receivable. So obviously in PT, you're either doing in-house billing or outsource billing. But at the end of the day, those types of things, standard operating procedures, documented, everything is you know from every little micro step typed out so that anyone else, if you have folks leave, they move away, whatever, you can refill those slots with new candidates and they already have a plan mapped out in front of them. They know exactly what to do the roles and responsibilities, then it makes the training and the education of new staff makes it a lot more efficient if it's written out like that. So that was 18. Here's 19. Install or hire a clinic director in each location. Many practice owners that are listening right now, they already do that. That's totally fine. That makes a lot of sense. Install a front desk manager at each location. Many practice owners listening or watching, they already have that as well. And then how about this, though? This would be a a little bit of a step. Some practice owners that are reaching out to us that are looking to possibly partner or exit, some of them have this and some of them don't. So here's the next big thing. Hiring and training a general manager or a president or a vice president, but basically it's a second in command. So who's that second in command that if you were going to sell your practice in the next six to 12 months, who's that second in command person that the buyers might be able to install as the the new you because you're going to then get out if you're going to be exiting the practice completely. Now, if you're going to be staying with the practice for one or two years or three years as part of some earnout or deferred compensation, then maybe that second in command person has more time to be groomed to then take over your role once you're totally out. Really depends on the the deal structure. It depends on your goals. It depends on the strength and the financials of the practice. We have other episodes for that. So you certainly can check that out. So that was 19. Here's 20. Here's an interesting one. 20. Removing your name from the company website and replacing it with the profile or the bio of your general manager, your president, your vice president, or your second in command. Not a big deal. But again, it's just one of these other things that's kind of setting the tone for the practice being bigger than yourself. You stepping out of the practice. Again, this is not just... We're not saying some of these points. I'm not, I'm not just saying these points of like, you need to do every single thing tomorrow. This is something like over a period of time, but it is something that 
buyers kind of consider and look at in regards to like how it ties into how much of this practice is wrapped around, like how much is the practice wrapped around this person, this one practice owner or clinic director versus it's a valuable, profitable asset. And that original owner, you, the practice owner can exit some or all the practice and nothing really changes with the practice or the practice hopefully continues to grow. That's what buyers want. So this is just an extension of that. Eventually, you know, if you'd want to keep your name and your headshot and your your profile and your website forever until you sell the practice, that's totally fine. But it just it's in culmination. We're talking about removing yourself from almost like each and every step of the process in regards to your practice. That's how and why buyers will pay eventually more and more for your practice. Uh, number 21, creating a templates for HR, human resources, employee contracts, policies. All those are pretty straightforward and standard. Obviously, consult with your attorney or outsourced HR firm, whatever it might be, or if you have an HR person internally. But it, again, if you're at a million in revenue or in that range or two or three million, you may not even have an HR person, or maybe you have one person that's kind of like HR and marketing, whatever. The bigger you get, the more of these specific roles you'll have. So that was part two of how to get an extra $725,000 when you sell your physical therapy practice. If you find this interesting or valuable or helpful in any way, I would love for you to send this episode link. If you're watching on YouTube or iTunes, Apple iTunes or Spotify, copy the link and just text it or email it to one friend, one colleague that's a practice owner, that's a clinic director, someone that you met at PPS, APTA, CSM, you went to physical therapy school with, whatever. Send it to one friend or colleague, message them on Facebook, private message with the link, whatever. Share it out. I would appreciate it if you do so. And that is it for the Dave Kittle Show. Subscribe, get notified of when the new episodes are published. I think we're on every Wednesday and Friday, but that could always change. So that's it for now. See you next time. Thank you. Bye. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.